Welcome to Interrevolutionary Radio with this week's host, yours truly, Todd Benton. Helen Hillix is my co-host today. Revolution, today's topic, Revolutionizing the Revolution, How to Bring the Inner Revolution to Life. The handbook for the Inner Revolution is now here, and we just held the Inner Revolutionary Training Retreat weekend called, Are We Ready to Revolutionize the Revolution? We're mobilizing, and so we invite you to listen as Helen and I interview several retreat attendees to explore vital questions about the inner revolution, such as, what does it mean to be an inner revolutionary? What's it going to take to rethink everything and challenge anyone when necessary, including ourselves? How can we bring the inner revolution to our relationships, our work, our families, and our causes, if we have them? We'll also share sections of the handbook and tell you how to get a free PDF copy of this powerful guide that shows us how to co-create a revolution that will stick, that will be healing, deep, and transformative on every level. So, welcome everyone. Today we're going to talk about the uh, the inner revolution and uh, the retreat that we just had this weekend. And this is a call-in show, so we're requesting that you call in. And the call in, the number two call in, is eight six six. Four seven two five seven eight eight. We're requesting those uh, that were at the Inner Revolutionary Retreat to give us a call. Again, eight six six four seven two five seven eight eight. So, the retreat started on Saturday, and uh, Helen and I would like to summarize, you know, what happened in this retreat uh, while we're waiting for our people to call in. And share their part. So, the essence of the retreat was uh, a focus on happiness, and well, basically focused. Pardon my voice, guys. I've got a sinus thing going on. It was focused on why would anybody want to have an inner revolution, and the only reason that we would ever want to have an inner revolution is if it's fun and if it if it makes us happy. Mm. Otherwise, okay. it's a lot of damn hard work for nothing. <laughs> yes. So that's that was the focus of the weekend, is how do we have an inner revolution and play at it and feel playful and f- f- you know feel happy and be able to be that natural person that attracts, you know, that attracts people to the movement of inner revolution because we're having so much fun at it. And happiness really is the secret weapon against the ego because it it doesn't yes. leave the negative space that the ego jumps in and exploits. So w- when we're nurturing our souls, we don't need what the ego gives us. Uh, when it's active, we settle for it, and it tells us that's what we want. So, and it tells really us that sub- we need that we need to separate from everybody else. Especially those that we think have different opinions than we do about things, which yeah. is almost everybody, of course. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that's a big part of it, too. Is that, and, and that makes us unhappy, of course, when we feel separate from others and we're constantly judging other people and criticizing them and finding fault with them and fighting them. And there's been so much of this in the news lately and so much of this in our whole country's psyche right now with the, uh, you know, the inauguration happening tomorrow. 
So, you know, that's another reason for this show is we'd like to do our part to try to change that energy before tomorrow so that we can have an inauguration that is cohesive and a country that feels cohesive and not so split as we do today. Yeah. Well, um, we, do you want to bring on our first caller, Helen? We have a caller uh, on hold, Chris in Vista. Absolutely. You want to get some water? <laughs> I've got water and a cough drop. <laughs> wow. Come on, okay. Chris. Hi. Hi, Helen. Hi, Todd. Um, Hi. Thank you so much for having this as a topic, particularly right before um, the inauguration. As you said, there's so much divisiveness. So I did, par- I did participate in the retreat, and it was amazing, and I, I loved how, you know, once again, Beth just blew our minds by helping us see that the antidote to our ego is joy, you know, because I'm, I'm so often caught up in the uh, mindset of I've got to prove myself, or I've got to fight for something, or I've got to, you know, fight against injustice, you know, and all of this, like, pushing energy that I have to be like against something or achieving. And as we, as we went through the course of the retreat and I saw myself able to relax into just the idea of um, feeling joy and experiencing happiness as being a center from which I can then bring forth a different energy to people. I was really transformed. And, and one of the beautiful experiences that I think we all had is that Beth helped us get in touch with a way for us to feel joy that isn't dependent upon something external like you know joy is not eating at the next new hot restaurant you know so um, we each got in touch with different things and, and I know for myself I've been able to feel a lot of joy first and foremost by realizing how much healing happened at the retreat and I'm actually experiencing joy seeing other people heal, which is really good. You know, I'm not thinking about myself, which is awesome. And um, thinking about nature more, thinking about just vibrant colors and images of things in nature that help me feel calm and relaxed. And um, I feel like from this place, you know, I don't have to listen to my ego telling me that my life is about what I accumulate or what I achieve. And, and it's also bringing down the pressure that I feel internally that I need to be screaming at someone about what's happening on the political specter, which scares me. It does scare me. But um, screaming at anyone or fighting against anything isn't going to change what's happening. You know, I need to feel uh, <clears throat> a place of calm and peace and joy to, to talk about what we can try to co-create. And I know that leads right into the inner revolutionary handbook, which, which is also a topic for today's show. Yes. And I love what you're saying, Chris, that we can't, we cannot energize the energy of separation and anger because all that does is create, you know, what Beth calls the ping pong politics where, you know, we're angry at this group who has been felt disenfranchised for the last eight years, and now they're in power, and then when they get out of power and we get back in power, then they'll be disenfranchised, and they'll be angry, and it just, nothing ever gets resolved that way. 
So it's so yeah. important what you're saying, so important what you're saying, that we have to approach it from a calm, open-hearted space so that we can come together and co- create common agendas for healing and for helping everybody. And it's possible, you know, we have to believe it's possible. And that was another one of the things from this weekend that I thought was so powerful was that we have to get out of this attitude, that we have to preach, and this is definitely for me, you know, that we have to be serious all the time and preaching to people and, you know, fighting, 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 and it just makes for a miserable life and no one listens. But if we can come from a place of being joyful because we have changed on the inside, which is just what you're saying, Chris, you know, is that it helped you change on the inside so that you bring a different energy to the world. You know, that's what the inner revolution is all about, is us changing on the inside. And then when we're out in the world, we can be different. And if we're different, then we can impact somebody else. They can look at us and say, wow, they're having fun. They feel good. They feel good. I have the handbook open. There's a paragraph here that I that I feel would be helpful to read. Would you like me to do that? Yes. Okay. I'm also very mindful of your of your throat there, Helen. I feel bad for you. <laughs> me too. Uh, Thanks. It's yeah. fine. Okay. So this is from uh, our latest and greatest. Uh, material, and it's called The Handbook for the Inner Revolution. Do I have the title right, Todd? Yes. What section okay. of, the, of it is? is, um, is it? I'm in the preface. Okay. And Which is, could you be an inner revolutionary? It's asking that yes. question. Yes. Yes. What's an inner revolutionary? Lots of people are angry and hurt, and some are bravely fighting for a better world. These individuals may be revolutionaries, and we honor them for the sacrifices they make to bring awareness and change. But inner revolutionaries have a particular part to play. Our fight is not against any particular injustice, individual or group, although we are fighting against all injustice. Our fight is for an inner revolution, a change of heart and hand, by changing the very way human beings see and treat ourselves, one another, and our world. An inner revolution is a revolution in our relationships. It encompasses social, political, economic, and spiritual transformation. It is based on a shift from a narrow, ego-based view of the world, it's all about me or mine, to an ethic based on oneness, accountability, and mutual support. It calls us to awareness whenever we exhibit self-centeredness, lack of empathy, or the willingness to look the other way for our own advantage or just to play it safe. It demands that we try to understand all perspectives and oppose policies, not people. It reaches its hand out to everyone, large or small, rich or poor, male, female, or other, powerful or powerless. It requires that we confront not only ourselves, but others. 
and it exposes the reality that we are all one and that we are all suffering from a world based on ego and competition. Thank you so much, Chris. It's so interesting, you know, that, that just hearing you reading that makes me calmer. Um, and I think it's because it's so true that we all know this. In our hearts, we all know that we have to stop all of this, <clears throat> excuse me, contentious behavior. And that we have to fight, you know, for policies that we believe in and not against other people. And so when you hear that, it helps you calm down. And then you're much more able to hold that energy that you were speaking of earlier, Chris, of, of calm and peacefulness that is very attractive to people. People are so attracted to the Dalai Lama because he is so calm and peaceful and joyful no matter what. So full of compassion and forgiveness no matter what. And Beth holds that energy too. Cool too, because if you think about, you know, uh, uh, someone approaching us, and if they're, you know, trying to relate to us, trying to understand us, uh, then there's a place for common ground. And then when you have that kind of common ground, then it builds. It's like you develop that background of trust and relate relatedness that can. And you, you know, you build these small bonds of trust that deepen and grow over time, you know, and that has to be our, our place to start that, you know, willingness to relate to that person, understand them, understand their history that leads them to the policy choices that they might, you know, pursue. So, um, we do have another caller on hold. So thank you so much for calling Chris. Okay. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Bye. Bye. We have Rose in uh, Ramona, California. Hi. Hi, Rose. I was a retreat participant, and I didn't know if you had a question for me. Um, Certainly, if you do, go ahead. I just, what I wanted to go towards was the idea that um, we don't have to be perfect. So at the retreat, I was, um, like everyone, given an opportunity to see the thing that kind of blocks me from being able to talk to people about being an inner revolutionary uh, mm-hmm. from the perspective of something that I, I'm driven by. And um, what was offered to me was that I, I want to win at being divine, and what I came to think of that as, and maybe you have other insights for me, but what I looked at it from the perspective of uh, getting something right or getting something wrong, and there's like, you know, it's black or white, and um, things need to be divine, they need to be right, they need to be beautiful, they need to be uh, sound right and look right and feel right. And um, when I'm, you know, boxed in like that, then... Uh, if someone, let's say, has an angry view, I might not like it and I, I, I wouldn't go towards them. Or if they can't see the positive side, I might just leave them, you know, <laughs> uh, and not want to interact with them at all. But when I remember one of the tools of an inner revolutionary being I am that, I certainly can remember that I have my ugly days or my ugly 
uh, views or my um, negativity. I, I mean, you know, I'm not a perfect person, so of course I have all of that. And and in th- that place, I'm with you, and I can bridge and not separate. I'm so glad you brought that exercise up, Rose, because that, to me, was one of the most powerful things about the weekend was that exercise. And I'd like to list just a couple of them that I remember. I mean, mine was, um, I always want to prove that I'm invulnerable. And what a setup is that? And other people want to win being admired or other people... um, want to win being discovered or being knowledgeable or being the favorite you know there are so many agendas that we have that get in the way of us just being with people being respected exactly that was yours right um and and whatever whatever agenda you have whether it's being one of them was being good-hearted now that sounds really nice you know i want to win being good-hearted but if that agenda is in in front of everything you do you are not really connecting to the other person you know you're they're just a a pawn in your game of proving how good-hearted you are and so, you know, and mine is, you know, I, I never want to need anybody that much because I have to prove that I'm invulnerable. So it was, it was so liberating. And if all of our listeners would stop and really get honest for a moment and take a look at your behavior and see, go inside and see what it is that you are trying to win from other people all the time in every interaction that you are engaged in, your mind will be blown and your heart will be opened because it it's such a powerful new perspective to be able to let go of that thing that you're that you're thinking about and regarding you rose i, I it's interesting to listen to you describing what you think of as divine um, i was thinking of it more as you know i must be divine in that i am totally irresistible i am just that divine and it went along with what you were saying that you're you're you the way you know you have to look perfect and you have to act perfect and you have to be perfect you know but there's a there's a lure to it that I must be just divine and I th- mm. I just wanted to add that in case that was helpful to you in any way Mhm Mhm Well it's it's definitely good to to um hear what you're saying cuz I wasn't looking at it from that perspective but I'm sure there's some of that, you know, um, I have a sense that I always want people to take care of me, and and I don't just want them to take care of me, I have an expectation that they will take care of me, and when that's thwarted in my ego, it just goes crazy, Um, and it's crazy to even think that way, but it's, you know, it's there kind of running in the background or even in the foreground sometimes, (laughs) so um, that fits with what you're trying, what you're leading me to see there. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to tie that back into the inner revolution, you know, the, the, the need for oneness, accountability, and mutual support, that if we're all running around with these individual ego agendas to be invulnerable or get respect or be divine or be the favorite or whatever, we certainly are not thinking about the oneness and what's for the highest good of all. And, you know, this, these are the things that a workshop like this can really help with is 
what things block us from truly being able to be in the oneness because there will be no inner revolution without it. There will be no inner revolution. There will be no peace on earth if every one of us has an individual agenda and we're running around trying to promote that agenda consciously or unconsciously. And that's, you know, that's why I think a lot of people are frightened by the, excuse me, the prospect of the Trump administration is because there seem to be so many personal agendas going on. And it's so easy for us to dive right in there with our personal agenda and, <laughs> and and add to the mix rather than saying, you know, let's just support what's for the highest good of all and let's fight for principles that matter and for programs that matter and for issues that matter and not be sidetracked by whether or not a particular person has a personal agenda because that leads us nowhere. Well, not only does it lead us nowhere, and it's a big point, it it really leaves us feeling very insecure. I, you know, I, I feel very insecure when everything's about me. It, 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 it's not right. And the, the, all the systems around me are going to focus only on me. Well, those systems won't sustain themselves. Those people won't sustain themselves. <laughs> we've, we've got to think of everybody or there won't be anybody. <laughs> you know, we'll all be div- divided. Very good point. Very good point. It's not sustainable, it, not sustainable in, in, for any of us. Scary. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not just your agenda, but if everybody is is showing respect for Todd, then you know they're not thinking of what's for the highest good of all either. They're just puffing up his ego, and that's not sustainable. Right. That's right. I think that's it for me. Thank you. Okay, we have Thank another you, caller, Irene from San Diego. Hi, Irene. Hi, Todd and Helen. Um, I, my, uh, what I identified at the retreat was that I want to have influence. And uh, what I could see is that that means everyone need, that means I have to be very knowledgeable or I get anxious and uh, I have to have everyone paying attention to me and uh, what that gets in the way of, of course, is my being able to connect people. And also, I, I think one of the, the biggest, uh, most, most painful things about this is it keeps me from asking for help and connecting with people so that together we can solve the problem. You know, I think it's a wonderful uh, example of blocks to being an inner revolutionary. And I think your current living situation could be uh, a great example of that if you want to share that. And how that, yes. how that wanting to win being influential was happening. Sure. I uh, I just moved a month ago into uh, a senior community, and um, and so being new, uh, of course, I wanted to make a place for myself, and uh, at the same time, 
uh, being new, I also wanted people to care about me and make a place for me. And so uh, I really actually discovered, I I don't know how, uh, but I discovered early on that it was easy to, to connect with people and to that everyone really wants the same things that I want. And that if I let myself relax and just connect to whoever I was sitting with at the time, this kind of comes up at mealtimes because uh, you come into a dining room where people are grouped together and where do you sit? And uh, I found that by not trying to find the group of people who would be most important in the organization that I would, uh, you know, be accepted and wanted by, but to see everyone as uh, a potential friend helped me relax and, and really almost get the gift of engaging with you know, whoever they were by asking what their story was and 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 um, and responding in that way. So did you see yourself trying to make sure that you had influence, you know, that you identified problems and came up with solutions and other you know, ways that you were trying to be influential? You know, I... I was able to to look at ways in which I could help people connect more. And uh, I found it was easy to find that, and people were very open to that. So I, I didn't find myself, you know, that this is, it's, um, it's interesting because... Um, I didn't find this a struggle, and I I think perhaps it it is because you know I'm joining a senior community. There aren't any stars here. There aren't people who I have to impress, and so uh, I'm I'm much more relaxed and able just to connect. Well, I, I, th- I was hoping that you could see some, because I, I think what we're talking about in this exercise is how our desire to, for you, you know, to prove that you're influential, to prove that I'm in, invulnerable, that Todd is respected, how it contaminates everything we do. So even those things that, you know, you were saying that you were able to identify some things and be helpful, even those things were contaminated by the desire to be influential. Okay. And I think that's, that's where, you know, without shaming ourselves for that, that's where the freedom comes uh-huh. in, is to say, yeah, I came up with a solution to such and such, and I loved that I could be influential. 
you know, and and it was also a great thing to do. Do you understand what I'm saying, Irene? Yes, I I, I am. I, I, I feel uh, okay, okay. But I'm struggling with it. I can feel myself struggling with it at the same time. Because well, I found maybe an ease about it rather than an anxiety about it. When I'm really trying to be influential, then I'm very anxious. And this came almost as a gift, and it was easy. And that probably shows you to the degree that you're trying to be influential. You know, maybe there is very little of that in one situation and a lot more in another one. Yeah. Um, but I just think yours is a very good example because you're moving into a brand new community. And, of course, our ego's desire to act out whatever is our agenda is going to show up. So yeah. I just... You know, I just thought it might be helpful for people to hear uh, how your desire to be influential was showing up. And you gave us some good ones, you know, that you had to be conscious of the fact not to go toward the people that might make you most influential and so forth. So thank you very much for that. Is there anything else from the weekend that you wanted to share that stuck out for you? One of the well, one the the whole thrust of the weekend was that the biggest antagonist to the ego is joy and happiness, and um, I had never. It's not the antagonist; it's the antidote. Yeah. And I, I, only and, reason I'm stopping you is because you know we're trying to get away from antagonism. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Right? Well, the biggest antidote, yeah. And so I had never focused on um, creating joy before, and so I was so struck by how easy it was to pay attention to what creates joy and then the transformative power of sharing joy with one another, whether we were singing or dancing and feeling loved and how, uh, you know, the power of that. <laughs> Maybe because I'm so focused on influential, I want the power of that. So I can hear myself saying that. What I mean is how, how well it works. Yeah, isn't that, that's very cute what you just did. <laughs> <laughs> that's very cute, you know. Yeah, if I can just get this, then I can really have influence. <laughs> right. Oh, and I can, really, I can be invulnerable. That's right. Yeah, we have to watch ourselves every second, don't we? We do. But if we can, if we can have fun with it, then that's even fun to notice, just like you did. Uh-oh, there it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and to yes. be in a community where everyone was calling themselves on what they were doing that is so powerful yes indeed it is and I love that that sentence you know that happiness is the the antidote to the ego's domination it's so true you know another way of looking I mean that I've used being a we have another caller so we're going to 
move on, Irene, but I wanted to, to summarize this little part. You know, so often you've probably heard that, you know, happy people don't do mean things. And, uh-huh. you know, that's, that's a concept that, believe it or not, came to me much later in life than I wished were true. <laughs> but it's like I didn't understand that, that, that unhappy people are the ones that do mean things. And so it's just another way of understanding that, that phrase, that happiness is the antidote to the ego, that, you know, people are in their egos when they're doing mean things. If you, if you really yeah. are, are, if you're really out of your ego and you're in the oneness, you're not going to do something mean or disrespectful or hurtful to somebody else. So yeah. it's, only, it's only when you're unhappy that the ego has power over you. So another thing that we say in the inner rev is don't be lunch. You know, don't let the dark side munch on you and take you over. <laughs> so thank you very much, Irene. Thank and you. Welcome, Erica, from Escondido, California. Hey. Hi. Hi, Todd. Hi, Helen. Hello, Erica. Well, <laughs> I just want to tell you, I had such a great time this last weekend at the retreat. Uh, boy, you know, I, I I was so aware of how many times my ego said, no, I don't want to get up and dance, and I don't want to smile and enjoy, and I really desperately needed those exercises. Just, you know, it seemed like I could resist, but why, right? Why bother? I really, I really was connecting to the idea of practicing joy, because we are we are always so serious in our daily lives, and we're always so led around by the nose. I wanted to share my my uh, individual piece that I got about being indispensable, and it has been such a relief to get that yes. piece. It's always embarrassing, of course. Because it it really indicates a misuse of my energy. Yeah. And to unlike the rest of us, (laughs) unlike the rest of us, you know, it's Uh all a misuse of our energy. I'm sure. You know, it's like, um, and and just even the concept of paying attention to how we use our energy and what is for the highest good. You know, in any given moment, for everyone, including myself. So. Um, just to keep peeling back those layers and peeling back those instantaneous decisions about why am I doing this in this moment? (laughs) Am I really believing that this is what's going to give me love? You know, this is how I'm going to be the most honored, respected, (laughs) you know, when in reality, being indispensable to people is often cutting them off at the knees. It's not supporting them to find their own way, to solve their own problems, to even recognize that there is a problem, it's like being indispensable means I'm just going to be four steps ahead of you. And like, right, it's I very mean, competitive. Talk about living in a fishbowl. Very competitive, and um, just what a relief to say, "Oh, well, I can see the future of letting go of this." And and I, I learned such a valuable piece in that. Um. It's important to be aware when there is a need to be filled that we are called to meet. But then the difference between that and just using my energy to manufacture needs Mm -hmm. rather than 
being in the not knowing and being guided to know what, well, what am I supposed to do about this? I'm recognizing something here. Why am I even recognizing it? So um, I'm just so grateful for this weekend. And, 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 of course, in the way that we were able to listen to each other's pieces and just using our tool of, well, I am that. I do that all the time. You know, it's not the main motivator maybe, but I sure am you. So, Can you give us an example uh, in, in your day-to-day life of how you can see yourself acting this out or or see in living in a setup kind of situation or make it personal acting out the new way or the way that no the no the old way. Yeah. yeah something that you can see that how have i been sure yeah, and, well and i how, think i'm so driven by oh i'm sorry I, I didn't hear what you just said well and how it would shift you know i'm thinking of your current living situation and what a setup it is for being indispensable oh my goodness and and maybe yeah, if, if you I shared that, and it's, it's so helpful, I think, for our audience to hear specifics rather than the general statements from all of the us. The general you know. statement. Yeah. Wow. What? Which one of the many? <laughs> you know. Pick one. Uh, <laughs> pick one. So, um, of course, living with a house full of people. Um, you know, I. I brought it to my own uh, responsibility to set routines and this is how things go and this is where things belong and um, just come to me if you don't know, right? So the dishes aren't put where I expect them to be put. I notice I'm irritated, right? Nobody else has been even given an option to say, you know, this doesn't really make sense. Why don't we do this? So... I'm not being collaborative in 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 those ways of our communal areas um, and the way they're organized and used. I'm just saying, oh, well, this is my idea, and we should do it this way. So it it perpetually keeps me in that spot, and it it is just a lonely spot, really. And it and it just is such a total setup to be, as I said, not collaborating and to. Um, be it, be on, you know, don't do anything until you come to me about it, kind of thing is, is yeah, the end goal. I love that, I love that, and of course, it's so fascinating, you know, when we live in a household full of people who, you know, may be impaired in different ways, physically, mentally, what, you know, whatever way, then, it, you know, it's that double-edged sword because somebody does need to offer leadership in that situation, and, and if you're if your ego thing is being indispensable, then it just exacerbates it even more. So, you know, God has a sense of humor, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> you know, in that we are each in these situations, you know, Todd with two young boys who, you know, want to thrive on disrespect, basically, you know, that's how young boys are. Yeah. You know, they they want their egos to be in charge, you know, and of course, that's your thing, you know, respect me, respect me, respect me. I mean, it's like such a setup and and me wanting right. to be in, invulnerable, you know, I, I've got to be invulnerable. People have to need me more than I need them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
having a daughter and a husband who who need me, it makes it so easy for me to feed that. And three dogs that need me, you know. So it's yeah, it, it's so tricky because whatever our thing is, I don't know whether we created the situations we're in because of our ego needs or whether you know whatever it is. If this is just we were guided to come here <laughs> so we can learn something new. I hope that's it. Um, but but whatever our situations are, you know, we we've got to. <laughs> I'm thinking about my sister now, you know, who wants to be the favorite, and she lived alone for years and years and years. Of course, you know, you got to be your favorite if you're the only one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's just yeah, funny, that you know. Works and that way. Exactly, and if we can it be playful, funny. yeah, if we can be playful about these insights. And, and have fun with them and laugh about them, then we're so much more likely to be able to change them and have that inner revolution that allows us to continue to be a valuable part of your household, Erica, but not have to, to prove that you're indispensable. So it opens your heart and opens your mind to connection and collaboration and, and a whole different way of being that doesn't leave you feeling so alone. Right, and it opens oh. you to receive um, receive um, joy from others. You know, like it's really hard to be uh, happy towards someone who's trying to be indispensable, you know. So I imagine oh the benefits for you are going to be huge as well, you know. Like you're going to have the a huge opening in your potential to receive happiness and joy from others. Oh, thank you. Yes, I agree. And I agree with you, Helen. God really does have a sense of humor. You know, just throwing us into these situations and saying, well, here's your opportunity to make something of it. And and to be able to redefine leadership as something more collaborative, what a great opportunity. Yeah. Thanks so much. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Viva la revolution. Okay, well, thank you so much for calling, Erica. Thanks, Erica. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. We have room for more callers, but we have none on hold at the moment that I see. So if you're out there hanging, please give us a call. Even if you don't know what your question is or your comment, we will help you come up with it, of course. The number to call is 866-472-5788. And uh, Helen, I wanted to, you just made me think in your, what you were sharing with Erica about myself since the retreat. Like I've been just kind of assessing or kind of looking back at the last few days about where has, where has it been joyful and where, (laughs) where's respect been rearing its, its head. (laughs) And um, yeah, so I thought that would be good for me to maybe get some support from you and and talk about this. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I noticed I've been more accepting, like uh, Luke did not want, uh, he just would not get out of bed on uh, Tuesday when it was time to go to school. Uh, obviously, we got we got back real late on Monday night and he just, he just wouldn't wake up. And normally I would get mad and, you know, threaten to punish him in some way or, you know, and I just, I didn't do that. I said, well, I guess he <laughs> really needs to sleep, you know, and what is getting pissed off and being punitive going to do to help the situation? You know, I tried to, you know, be playful with him and get him, get him to get up and that didn't work either. So I was, 
I just kind of said, okay, well, I guess he's going to be sleeping today. Um, and uh, Aiden, on the other hand, it was our, my other son, on the other hand, it was, it was, he just got up and went and he, he didn't put up much of a fight. So that was kind of nice. But then yesterday I was working on something and um, I, I've been, as you know, I've been working on this covered area for our animals. Or we have a horse and two goats, for those of you who don't know. And um, I was working on it to try and get it finished before the rain. And I went to ask for help and nobody seemed to want to help me. And man, did my respect one thing to kick in and like, and I just completely forgot to, you know, even think about having fun with it or anything. I just, you know, how it's so funny how easily we can be triggered back to the old thing. So. Yes, it certainly is. And I wonder if you could think about maybe talk to your children um, that Luke might have been impacted by something that he saw or something that happened um, that knocked him out also. Mm. And you might ask him about that and see if something had an impact on him that needs to be cleared up. Okay. Whereas I think Aiden had a really fabulous experience at the at the retreat, you know, playing the trumpet and all of that, and maybe he was totally jazzed and energized to get back out there because of that. Good point. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is with Luke, but I can uh, explore that with him. Thank yeah, you. and uh, of course, if we're not if we're not trying to prove some agenda, then we. You know, we can uh, look at this. We've got three people on hold now all of a sudden. So we better shut up. But if we can get our own agenda out of the way, your agenda of being respected, then you can connect to the people and try to support them and find out what is happening. Right. Okay. So first we've got Roz in San Diego. Welcome, Roz. Hello, Helen and Todd. Hello, Roz. We're going to try to make this quick because we've only got about seven minutes or so to do three people. No problem. I, I, I've kind of been in and out of the conversation trying to listen, and for what I can hear, many of the people who were at the retreat, just like myself, are all saying the same things. I think um, the only piece that I want to share about is, um, as we were talking about those things that we do to win, you know, mine was about um, how I win is by playing the victim. And it's not like it's necessarily something new that I didn't know, but it, I'm, I'm aware of the different iterations that it takes as I progress in life. And I think how, I was, how it showed up this time and as we embark on um, you know, taking on being inter-revolutionaries in the world is that you know, how it shows up for me is I have too much going on to be able to do that. And I've got all the proof in the world about how much I'm doing in, you know, in other areas of my life to be able to take on being an inner revolutionary. And, of course, that, gets com- that got completely debunked when, you know, we, we talked about, you know, just the first step in that is just being happy and expressing who we are. And who doesn't have time to do that? Who doesn't have right. time to share that aspect of themselves? Like, there isn't anything to do or it doesn't have to be hard and I think, you know, definitely I've lived in on some level that there are many, many, many things that have to be done rather than just bringing that one simple thing. And I'm not, not saying that there aren't physical, material things to be done in the world, but the block to just being able to be who, who I am and allow that to just come through, that was really, it was really great to kind of really see that in Technicolor this weekend. That's so great, Roz. Yeah, Yeah. that that is so cool. And, of course, 
it, it, it just feeds the victim part yes. when you say, I've got too much going on and I'm so overwhelmed and I'm so overworked and so forth that, you know, you have to feel bad about yourself. You have to feel guilty about what you're not doing and then you, you victimize yourself. Exactly. And it's the guilt that eats that completely eats me up. Totally. Yeah, isn't that interesting how, you you know, you're not just busy proving you're somebody else's victim, but you're busy victimizing yourself. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, aren't we clever? We are well, brilliant, aren't we? <laughs> aren't we brilliant? Well, thank you so much, Roz. That was a great piece, and I'm sure I resonate and lots of other people resonate with you know, woe is me. <laughs> I totally yes. So thank one. you so much for calling, Roz. Thank you. Bye-bye. And I think... Rose is next. No, we're going to go to Lynn next. Okay, right. All right, good. Let's go to Lynn next in San Diego. Hi, Helen and Todd. Hi, Lynn. Hi. I haven't been able to listen much to the show, um, Computer Challenge, but um, I just wanted to talk about how my um, thing interferes with me being an revolutionary, and um, that is that I have to be the favorite. And as Beth so charmingly pointed out, it doesn't make any difference what I have to do. I'll do anything to be your favorite. And, of course, people feel that. And Mm -hmm. they do not respond to you the same way because they feel manipulated. And so that keeps me from, you know, bringing out the message of the inner revolution. And it keeps me from... uh, being happy and being my true self. Yes. And so and I, want to, I definitely want to change that, and I'm very happy to uh, have had that brought out at the retreat. Well, cool. I'm, so, I'm so happy that you're happy. Thanks. It must be, must be your favorite thing right now. <laughs> yes, that <one> it is. <laughs> Um, one of the things, we were talking about it a few minutes ago, and I just happened to mention you, and I said my sister's thing was being the favorite, and I said I just just flashed on the fact that she's lived alone for many, many years, and then I wonder if that related to wanting to be the favorite. If you're the only one, you've got to be your own favorite. Well, that's, that's interesting. Um, at least I have the relaxation being alone of not having to be anybody's favorite. Ah, perhaps that's it. Yep. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, isn't it? That you couldn't be around anybody because it's such hard work because you're always trying to prove that you're the favorite. Yeah, it, it's hard so the, work, Helen. Yeah, so the only alternative is to be alone. Yes. Well, we'll have to certainly be aware of that when we're together, won't we? Yeah. And and it's so interesting, too, that your thing is being a favorite and mine is being invaluable and how those t- two things must interact with one another will be very fascinating to observe. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. It'll we'll be a lot of fun. fun. We'll make it fun. That's exactly right. And what a great example right there of how you can make it fun. Yeah. Whatever Thanks the things that you see about yourselves and about each other. And that's one of the things that we do in the innerrevolution.org is we have fun and try to be lighthearted about pointing out things to one another so that we don't trigger our shame as, as much as possible. And we just keep helping each other grow and have fun doing it. 
Yeah, because it, it can be a very shameful thing for me to get into the whole idea of I will do anything to be your favorite. Yeah. Because that's just not good behavior. Yeah, of course not. But then you feel guilty. I think there's there's so much more to be learned from this, and I know you will get a lot of support about it. But, you know, I think sometimes you might even resist doing things that might be fun for you because you are you don't want to have to work at being somebody's favorite. And so I think it can play both ways on you. Mm, definitely. Yeah. So it thank can even be... Thank you so be, much. Thank you thank for you. calling, Lynn. And now we've got Rose for another minute or so. Mentioned. Rose? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Just, we heard mentioned. Okay, Beth mentioned something that I didn't quite get. Now I can have the 15 minutes with her and get more information, but I thought I'd throw this out. It seemed like she was saying something like, if I am divine, then I'm not having to prove that I'm divine. You know, like if I see things as divine or I feel divine, I... Um, can if you, you feel guided, if you feel guided by the divine, then you don't have to prove that you are divine. That's what she said. If I feel guided yeah. by the divine, yeah. If you yes. feel connected to the divine, mm. which means which means guided by the divine, in alignment with the divine, in alignment then, with the divine, yeah. Then you don't have to prove that you are divine, which is a separate makes you separate than. That fits so well. Thank you so much. That was perfect. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Okay. Well, join us next week for Greater uh, New Orleans Volunteers of America talking about their VETS program. It's going to be fabulous. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Inner Revolutionary Radio with Beth Green and James Maynard. The next episode will broadcast live next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And don't forget Inner Revolutionary TV on voiceamerica.tv. Think outside the box and join us.